Hi, I'm Jen White, and this is Reset. It's Friday, and that means it's time for our Friday News Roundup, when we break down the biggest local stories of the week. Now, just a note, the Friday News Roundup was recorded earlier today when the number of COVID-19 cases in Illinois was 2,538 and 26 deaths. Since then, numbers from the Illinois Department of Public Health have been updated. Illinois now has 3,026 confirmed COVID-19 cases and 34 deaths. For more information and the latest updates about COVID-19 in Illinois, head over to WBEZ.org because a lot has happened in just the last week. The city of Chicago has shut down its entire lakefront, nearby parks, the 606 Trail, and the Chicago Riverwalk. A pandemic means it's here in our midst every day, and we've got to all do our part. Governor J.B. Pritzker echoing the same frustration as Mayor Lori Lightfoot. Not everyone is taking the stay-at-home order seriously. If you're doing these things, you are spitting in the face of the doctors and nurses and first responders who are risking everything so that you can survive. To help break down the week's top stories and more is WTTW political correspondent and host Paris Schutz. Also, WBEZ government and politics reporter Becky Vivi. So let's start with some city news. Mayor Lightfoot said Chicago could see 40,000 COVID-19 hospitalizations in the coming weeks if residents don't stay at home. Becky, break that down for us. Yeah, so she didn't actually say, you know, is this the worst case scenario? Is this if 80% of people stay home, if this is only 20% stay home? But it was certainly a shocking number. And the sense I got was really, if people are not taking the stay-at-home order seriously, that is the number that our um, our curve would reach. You know, people probably have heard about flattening the curve and they've seen the modeling and various interactives online. It's going to spike. It's going to keep exponentially growing. And the number that the, the mayor and her top doctor gave yesterday was this 40,000 number. And that's hospitalizations. That's not just cases, that's people who require um, hospital care. So, you know, that was the sense that they gave yesterday is, guys, this this is going to um, to get worse before it gets better. Well, yesterday, Lightfoot announced she's closing many of the city's parks as well as beaches, the Lakefront Trail, the 606 and the Riverwalk to help slow the spread of coronavirus. Let's hear a clip of that. I have ordered the closure of Chicago's Lakefront from North to south and south to north, along with our 606 trail and the river walk. This order also restricts any and all contact sports. A pandemic means it's here in our midst every day, and we've got to all do our part. The mayor was visibly angry at people who have been ignoring Governor Pritzker's stay-at-home order. Paris, just break down what happened here. Well, I think a lot of it stemmed from the images on Wednesday, I believe, when the weather was nice, and you just saw tons of people congregating on the lakefront. I mean, I drove by. People were not uh, giving that six-foot distance. There were people in groups. There were people playing basketball, playing soccer. And so you saw the mayor and governor livid. I mean, I've never seen the governor that emotional or as emotional as I've seen in the last few weeks. And so what the police superintendent said was, now we're really going to enforce this. I mean, in the beginning – they didn't want to really enforce it. This was just sort of guidance for everybody. And now the lakefront is closed. 
if people don't uh, obey these orders, they're subject to first a warning and then um, a, a citation for $500 for a misdemeanor. And then if they still cause trouble, then they could possibly be arrested. Although, I mean, I don't think they'd go to jail because the jail is in the process of emptying out, um, you know, nonviolent offenders because of the COVID. There's something like uh, 17 uh, COVID cases among uh, inmates there and, and then also among staff members. So it's a mess. Well, yesterday, interim Chicago Police Superintendent Charlie Beck said, as you mentioned there, uh, Paris, that officers have issued at least one citation that ended in an arrest. So we gave warnings to crowds of individuals 56 times yesterday. Uh, we did not document necessarily the individuals involved. Uh, we have made one arrest and citation for crime related to failure to obey a health order as posed by a, a police officer. There's very specific language in the municipal code which gives us this authority. Becky, I think there's still a lot of question around what enforcement looks like in real time around this. Any clarity on that? You know, I think it's something that we will all sort of be watching. Um, I do know in speaking with, you know, some aldermen that it sounds like as it relates to the park closures, they are going to be putting up signs. They are going to kind of have areas barricaded off. I know, you know, every day I go, I go pick up our sitter and we, we drive past Lakeshore Drive and there are barricades up now. People cannot get out on the running path out there. Um, so, uh, you know, there are police stationed to kind of stop people. And I think there will be those sort of physical enforcements, signage, barricades. And then, you know, if people don't listen or don't, you know, are still crossing those lines, that's where Charlie Beck said, you know, we will, officers have the the order, order or the edict to, to, you know, give people a warning. And then if they don't listen, you know, give them a citation. Well, again, this, the closure of, of the parks and, and the 606, uh, this was all due to a concern around a spike of cases in Chicago and really trying to limit the spread of the virus. Paris, at this point, what's your sense of how prepared the city feels to handle a spike in cases? I think if you hear the urgency in the voice of Lightfoot and Pritzker, they've seen stats that don't look good. And I just watched uh, New York Governor Cuomo's press conference saying, given you know the catastrophe that's going on there, they still believe they're three weeks away from the apex. Imagine that. It seems like we're about a week behind New York per capita here in our cases. If they're three weeks behind uh, the apex, I mean, when this thing's going to finally start to turn, then I mean, how far behind are we? So I think they're they're listening to the medical professionals and they're giving them these dire warnings. And then, by the way, you know, hospitals uh, are running out of resources. I spoke to Swedish Covenant Hospital, small private hospital on the north side, who told me they were afraid they were going to run out of masks in a few days. They did their own order of 100,000 masks from some source in China. They said they were frantically scouring the globe to find masks that were much more expensive than they're normally paying. So so you, you've got all these different fronts where, where there's a lot of dire worry right now. Mm-hmm. Well, Mayor Lightfoot had, had initially hoped to install a permanent Chicago Police Department superintendent ahead of the summer season when there's a surge in violence, but that decision is being postponed because of COVID-19. Becky, where do we stand on the search for a new top cop? Yeah, so the the Chicago Sun-Times, Fran Spielman, took a look at this and talked to the police board, which is in charge of that search. And it sounds like, you know, before this, the search was kind of winding to an end. Um, They were down to maybe some finalists. But 
at this point, the head of the police board told the Sun-Times, listen, the superintendent search pales in comparison to everything we're facing right now. So it's sort of on hold, which is true of a lot of things in City Hall right now. Everything seemed to kind of grind to a screeching halt. And um, city workers have really been deputized and dispatched to um, be kind of all hands on deck as it relates to the coronavirus response. And I, did, I just want to jump back for a second about how prepared the city might be. Um, Paris did talk about the, the, them trying to get masks and supplies for hospitals. The city and the state, the top, um, the top public health official, Allison Arwady yesterday said that they went and visited McCormick Place yesterday right. to to determine if the that could be a place where they could set up kind of a makeshift hospital um at put hospital beds and so they are planning for this like I said to, like compare said like we're all saying this is going to get worse before it gets better. That curve, we're still on the way up. (laughs) Well, Paris, you've been on the ground in the city's neighborhoods this week. What are you hearing from residents about how they're dealing with this crisis? Well, it's incredible. I mean, I've I've been to uh, Chinatown. I went to Devon Avenue or Little India. I went to South Shore. And then I went to Little Village. And, you know, these neighborhoods are pulling together. And local businesses and social service organizations are sort of the connective tissue, especially in these neighborhoods, because they're predominantly low-income they're either, um, you know, populations of color or immigrants. And so they really rely on these local businesses. We saw so many examples of uh, a local business that just it, it, it's struggling to pay the bills, and yet it is staying open because it's essential and it's on the front lines. For instance, in on Devon Avenue, uh, a locally owned medical supply store, you know, they bought a bunch of masks and, and hospital equipment because residents were coming up, just regular residents were asking for them. And now they're out of that. And then uh, in Little Village, uh, a local pharmacy, you know, is acting like sort of the front lines in in COVID-19 screening where there's undocumented immigrants who don't know where to go. They're afraid to go and be have their status outed. So they're coming to the pharmacy and the pharmacist is telling them what to do and giving them information and giving them a basic test. So in these neighborhoods, it's, it's an all hands on deck approach. And, you know, in the best of times, people struggle to make ends meet in a lot of these neighborhoods. And now you have people that need to come together to share food, a lot of people that have lost their jobs. So you see sort of how communities work together. That's a really positive thing. But you also see that these businesses don't have very long, mm. um, uh, you know, that they can stay shut down like this. They're making drastic cuts just just to stay afloat. Well, we saw the startling unemployment uh, numbers earlier this week. And on our show, we talk a lot about inequity in the city. And, Harris, I wonder from your reporting, which neighborhoods are being hit hardest right now? And, and how are some of the existing inequities in Chicago being compounded by this crisis? There's no doubt that the lower income communities in Chicago are being hit drastically. I don't even think we know the magnitude of it. I mean, obviously, the entire city is being hit, but cities that are neighborhoods that already rely on these social services. A lot of these are nonprofits and they're not getting donations right now either. So somehow they have to find a way to stay afloat to distribute food to seniors or or medical uh, supplies to residents. And um, so, again, it's a day-to-day thing right now. We're just in the first week of this. But what they worry about is even when this shutdown ends, what's the aftermath going to be? How many people you – know, you, we, we've talked to landlords that are forgiving rent. Um, we've talked – I talked to a local bank 
uh, loan officer at Devon Bank who said we're restructuring the terms of some of our loans to the local business where maybe they'll pay interest only for a few months. So, again, it's like a day-to-day, we're cobbling this together, but if the economy goes into recession, uh, how long can folks in these neighborhoods keep it together before they can't afford rent at all and they can't afford to eat? I mean, and that's what I'm finding on the ground. So, so we're going to have to watch that. Well, Becky, Streets and Sanitation Commissioner John Tully told the Sun-Times that he may suspend services like street sweeping and tree trimming. Talk about some of the other ways COVID-19 is changing how the city operates on a day-to-day level. Well, yeah, I mentioned earlier that sort of it has felt like all other issues have kind of ground to a screeching halt. Um, most city departments are in some way dealing with this response to to COVID-19 or, you know, they themselves are working from home, trying to sort of move things along in the background. Um, city council is not meeting. And I have spoken to a few aldermen. Uh, there was a, an order, I believe Governor Pritzker signed, to make a few adjustments to the Open Meetings Act that would allow them to meet virtually. These would still be open, but they would be, um, you wouldn't have to gather these aldermen together physically. And there's some tentative talk about maybe we can start things back up in late April in terms of legislating. Um, And I I also will say I've been a little struck by... um, some of the remarkable things that the city hall that we never could have imagined city hall would implement. Um, I'm thinking like housing people in hotels really quickly. They're just doing it. And I think that will make for some very interesting conversations when we come kind of out on the other side of this crisis of what the will of, you know, what the city can actually do if they don't get too bogged down in the way they sort of used to do things legislating and I don't know if Paris has additional thoughts on this but you know they've long people have criticized city council for you know tinkering around the edges and not not getting at like big um important legislative things um and it seems like they're everybody sort of with this crisis has come together and and achieved things we would have never maybe imagined in in the past. You know, Paris, Becky there was talking about the way the city and the state is responding to this crisis. Do you think on the other side of this, there are conversations to be had about how how lawmakers respond? I'm seeing how they're just making things happen right now. Could we see a new, I don't know, a a new energy in in our lawmakers on the other side of this? Well, or maybe even a new bipartisan energy, uh, you know, where, where both sides kind of put aside the politics. And I should mention that the city and state have responded to the situation in these low-income neighborhoods. There's a $100 million small business loan fund uh, for, you know, companies with 50 or less folks who have lost at least 25% of their business. The state um, is forgiving, you know, sales tax collections. The county's forgiving sales tax collections for a while. Pritzker has announced a new fund. Uh, you know, a lot of these businesses are hoping that the federal stimulus is going to help them out. So, I mean, the picture I just painted is, is pretty dire, but, you know, hopefully these things can mitigate it, but they can mitigate it for a certain period of time. When this all kind of, when the fog clears, the state and the city are going to be dealing with a massive budget holes and, and, and they weren't prepared in, even in good times. Again, they were dealing with troubled budgets. So I think when you have a situation that's an emergency fiscally, which this is going to be, you're going to have to have lawmakers come together, put aside politics and say, OK, we need to talk about 
new taxes. We need to talk about cuts and maybe even a drastically rethinking uh, um, of, of, of how we operate here, because it, it, it seems like it's headed to that point. I want to quickly talk about the state's unemployment numbers. Yesterday, state officials released new data showing more than 114,000 people filed unemployment claims last week. Paris, what can you tell us about that? Well, yeah, 114 in, in, in um, Illinois and then millions uh, across the country. Um, the unemployment benefits in the stimulus bill are going to be extended. There will be an extended period of time where people can collect unemployment and enhanced unemployment benefits. And a lot of these folks, um, you know, they have been – they hope they've been temporarily laid off um, because of the coronavirus. I mean, and, I, and again, all I can speak to is anecdotally what I've seen on the ground. I've been to a lot of restaurants where they've either furloughed or laid off their employees with the hope that they can come back. Uh, once time, you know, once times are better. So, so I, and then you've got the gig economy, you know, you've got uh, um, Uber drivers and Lyft drivers that are, that are, I, I'm not a hundred percent sure whether they fully qualify for, for some of those benefits. I don't know, Becky, if, if, if you know any more about that. Yeah, I don't. Um, I, I do. I've been watching the federal legislation kind of wind through and it, it seems like it sort of has morphed a bit. But um, right. I do think there are some provisions for gig workers. But certainly I would imagine a lot of those those folks are probably among the applicants figuring, you know, at least I'll put my my name on the list, try to get through. There's been a busy signal, you know, in Illinois, it's hard to even get through. Um, right. But I would imagine some of those claims are people raising their hand saying, hey, I, you know, I, th- I think I'm eligible. I'd like to be eligible. We'll have to wait and see how that all shakes out. Well, Paris, and as we forget, I mean, that, I'm sorry, go ahead. Well, no, I was just going to say, as we as we wrap up here, I want to hear what you're watching in the coming weeks. Oh, boy. Yeah, everything. I don't, I don't know how to, you know, I'm going to continue to go to different neighborhoods across the city. You know, I plan to be um, on the west side next week. Uh, again, I'm, I'm watching to see how neighborhoods, especially lower income neighborhoods or neighborhoods with high immigrant populations or, or high uh, uh, Latino or African-American populations are coping with this. And so far, what I've seen is people banding together and staying really positive in really hard times. But this, there's no doubt that it hits those neighborhoods hardest. Becky, what about for you? Yeah, I think like Paris, I think it's going to be sort of all hands on deck covering a lot of different stuff. I'm going to be talking more with aldermen about what is happening in their individual wards. They all are facing similar but different challenges. And um, I'm curious to know, like, what what can the hyper local level of government do to help people immediately before some of these bigger things trickle down um, from the federal government and from the state to help people out? What, what are people just doing to get by day by day right now? That's it for the Friday News Roundup. Our panel today, WBEZ's Becky Vivi and Paris Schutz of WTTW. Becky, Paris, thanks and, and be well. Thanks, you too. Stay well, healthy. And that's today's Reset. For the latest on COVID-19 in Chicago and beyond, go to wbez.org slash coronavirus. I'm Jen White. Stay safe and let's talk again soon.